Hello, I am Matthew Hurst, the worship minister of First Baptist Church, Watauga, and we want to simply say thank you for listening to these messages. We'd like to invite you on Sunday morning at 1045 to join us in worship of God and to hear from His Word. Our mission here at FBC Watauga is to exalt the Savior equip the saints, and to evangelize the lost one person at a time. So I pray as you listen to these messages that you would be encouraged and equipped as you listen to the word of the Lord today. Well, good morning. It's good to be here to worship with you, those that are in-house and those of you that are joining us online. And we continue our study of the Gospel of John. We're going to be in John chapter 8 today. And Finishing out John chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 30 and go all the way through the end of the chapter. So, so quite a huge chunk of text. Today we're going to be looking at this theme uh, from Jesus that if you'll, you'll know the truth, he says, and the truth will set you free. On June the 19th of each year in our nation, we celebrate a, uh, a day of independence for many June the 19th is a celebration of the day that many of the slaves found out that they were free. Now, if you've studied history, you may know this better than I do. Uh, I begin to think, wait a minute, June the 19th was not the date of the Emancipation Proclamation. I I knew that that came earlier. And so, as I studied this, I learned that that, uh, Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation proclamation on June, on January the 1st of 1863. So according to the United States, uh, all slaves had been freed from the 1st of January in 1863. It had been over two and a half years before many of the slaves learned that they were free. Now, of course, there was a civil war going on during that time. For those southern states, they didn't recognize the Emancipation Proclamation, and so they continued to fight for what they believed was right. Ultimately, though, General Lee surrendered to General Grant April the 9th of 1865. And yet those slaves, and South Texas in particular, continued to live in slavery. Abraham Lincoln was assassinated on April the 15th, just six days later. And yet May the 9th of 1865, President Johnson declared all the Civil War was over, all slaves were free. Why is it that it wasn't until over six weeks later that that, that those who were enslaved in Texas, in particular in Galveston, Texas, were still acting like slaves? It was because nobody had told them that they'd been set free. They had been legally free, according to the United States, for over two and a half years. They'd been free for at least six weeks from the end of the Civil War, and yet they were continuing to live in slavery. I believe that there are many Christians who are continuing to live as slaves to sin because we don't know that we've been set free. No one has has told us that in Christ, we don't have to continue to live the ways of this world. We don't have to continue to live in our old habits and in our old sin. Some people literally choose to go back to slavery to sin. We find that it's more comfortable to live in our old ways and the ways of this world, just like many of those slaves who were set free in 1865 didn't know how to live outside of slavery. They found it more comfortable to go back and live and serve, live with and serve their previous masters. Oftentimes, we as Christians 
refused to live in the freedom that had been bought and paid for us through the blood of Christ, which he shed on the cross for us. Just as many slaves continued to live in slavery, even though over a million had shed their blood, that they might be free. Read with me. This is a long passage, John chapter 8, verse 30. But you're going to notice that it's contiguous. You're going to see this theme of of being set free by the truth of God's word. And and you'll see uh, this challenge between the truth and the lie and the back and forth between Jesus and these Jews who he was still... uh, in talking to, he was still kind of, they were arguing with him. And this has gone on all through chapter 8. Scripture says, he was saying to the, these things, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We're descendants of Abraham, they said, and we've never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? Jesus responded, truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be really free. I know you're descendants of Abraham, but you're trying to kill me because my word has no place among you. I speak what I've seen in the presence of the Father. So then you do what you have heard from your father. Our father is Abraham, they replied. If you were Abraham's children, they said, Jesus Jesus told them, you would do what Abraham did. But now you're trying to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You're doing what your father does. We weren't born of sexual immorality, they said. We have one father, God. (coughs) Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me because I came from God. And I am here, for I did not come on my own, but he sent me. Why don't you understand what I say? Because you can't listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature. Because he's a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you don't believe me. Who among you can convict me of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? The one who is from God listens to God's words. This is why you don't listen. Because you are not from God. The Jews responded to him, Aren't we right in saying that you're a Samaritan and have a demon? I do not have a demon, Jesus answered. On the contrary, I honor my father and you dishonor me. I do not seek my own glory. There's only one who seeks it and judges. Truly I tell you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews then said, now we know you have a demon. Abraham died and so did the prophets. So if anyone you say, if anyone keeps my words, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets who died? Who do you claim to be? If I glorify myself, Jesus answered, my glory is nothing. My father about whom you say he is our God, he is the one who glorifies me. You do not know him, but I know him. If I were to say I don't know him, I would be a liar like you. 
but I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. The Jews replied, you aren't 50 years old yet, and you've seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden and went out of the temple. As I often do, I'm going to break this down into a a couple smaller bites. And and as we walk through this, my prayer is that that God helps us to understand his word. There's a lot here. There is a tremendous amount. Many uh, sermons could be preached from this passage here. But I want to look at three big ideas that that all connect together from the text. And my prayer is that that God would apply those to our lives in a way that it it encourages us and helps us. The first big idea is this. We are set free by the truth. We live in a world that truth seems to be hard to find. And that's not new to our culture. That's been a struggle all throughout history. From, from the garden, the, the, the interaction that, that Adam and Eve had with the serpent, truth was hard to determine. The serpent was telling lies and trying to confuse her from the beginning. But Jesus says here, right off the bat, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So right off the bat, he gives us the key to knowing the truth. The key to knowing the truth is to continue in his word, to spend time in his word, to believe his word, to trust in his word. His word becomes the foundation for our truth. It has to become the, 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 the solid objective foundation upon which we stand. It is through his word that we're going to be able to go back and it's going to be consistent. There's a passage of scripture, the apostle Paul, right before he died, was writing to Timothy, who was kind of his son in the faith. He had discipled him and he tells Timothy, uh, in First Timothy, or it's in 2 Timothy chapter 3, at the beginning of 2 Timothy 3, He encourages Timothy by by speaking to him about the nature of God's word. And this is a a passage that may be familiar to some of you, but now 2 Timothy along with Titus were the two uh, letters that Paul wrote near the end of his life. Uh, They were the last two letters he wrote, and Paul is encouraging Timothy with kind of his final words of advice. And, And here he writes, all scripture is inspired by God. It is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be completely equipped for every good work. The apostle Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, what you need to do is you've you've got to stay rooted and grounded in Scripture. Just before that, he had pointed Timothy back to, to things that he knew from his childhood and said that from infancy you have known the sacred Scriptures. From from those scriptures, they gave you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ. Timothy, remember, all scripture is going to be helpful. It's going to be profitable for teaching because it is God's word. Scripture forms the foundation of our truth. And if we're going to continue, if we're going to be truly disciples of Christ, it's going to be when we continue in the word of God. Now, Paul gave Timothy a warning, oftentimes because we have hard chapter breaks in our biblical text. 
Remember, Paul wrote this as a letter to Timothy. There's no chapter break between chapter 3, verse 16, and, and chapter 4, verse 1. So Paul's writing to Timothy, and it, right after he says, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work, he goes on to write Timothy, and he says, I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who's the judge, the living and the dead, because of his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, they will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. Paul warns Timothy, there's going to come a time that even those who call themselves believers are going to turn away from the Word of God. They're going, to, they're going to seek to follow leaders who will just make them feel comfortable, who will tell them what they want to hear, who will tell them what feels good. And so that they turn away and away from the truth of God's Word. Timothy, remember, the truth is what matters. God's Word is what's going to matter. Focus on God's word. Continue in his word. As Jesus says, you will truly be my disciples if you continue in my word. No one walks in real discipleship following Jesus as their Savior and Lord unless they're walking according to his word. And the promise that comes from that is if you Walk in my word. You continue in my word. You will really be my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It is through God's word that we are set free to live the life that God designed and desired for us to live. Walking in darkness, walking without the truth, will never, you'll never experience true freedom. It is only through the truth of God's word and walking in that relationship with him as a disciple of Jesus that we will experience the life that God intended for us to live. The truth will set us free. So their response was, well, wait a minute. We're Abraham's children. We've never been slaves to anybody. How, how can we be set free from something if we've never been slaves? And Jesus tells him, he says, oh, hold on a minute. Anybody who chooses to sin becomes a slave to sin. You, are, you have been enslaved to your own sin. Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, don't you know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one that you obey, either of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But thank God that although you used to be slaves to sin, you obeyed from the heart the pattern of teaching to which you were handed over, and having been set free from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. So even Paul, when he's writing about this in Romans chapter 6, he recognizes that when we sin, we become slaves to sin. And, and, and we continue to walk in the ways of the world, and, and, and we continue to walk in our sinful ways. But Paul says in Romans 6, 17 and 18, thanks be to God that through his teaching, through his truth, through the word of God and what he teaches us and what he shows us as we walk as a disciple of Jesus Christ, we can be set free from our sin and be bound to righteousness, that we become a slave to God's word, a slave to his righteousness. 
God desires that we live a life in freedom, free from the the bonds of this world, free from our sin, free from what drags us down. But that's only going to happen when we continue in his word and walk in a relationship with him. It is the truth that sets us free. And then finally here, that truth comes from the Father. Jesus essentially is saying, look, the Father and I are one. I'm only telling you what I've heard the Father say. I'm I'm telling you what I know to be truth. See, the the, the bottom line is, it it is God and, and his word that establishes what is true in this in our world. Our world did not begin to to fall away from God. Our culture, our nation did not begin to go down the wrong path because it turned away from truth and lost God. Our world headed down the wrong path because we turned away from God and lost truth. God is the foundation of truth. God is the one who created this universe. We spent a lot of time talking about that last week. He sits above the universe. He established the laws by which this world operates. It is God who put in place the laws of gravity. And you can try as hard as you want to overcome the laws of gravity, but eventually the laws of gravity win out. You can try all you want to defeat time. You can have all of the facelifts that you want and all the surgeries you want, but eventually time wins out. God is the one who put in place the truth, the laws by which this world operates. And we can argue against them. We can say they're not so, but the the truth of God's word will always be the truth. He is our one and only real source of truth. It comes from the heavenly father. So if truth comes from the father and truth is what sets us free, what gets us in such a mess? It's when we become disconnected from the truth. And in the midst of this passage, what we see are three things at least that I've identified from verse 37 to verse 47 that disconnect people from God's word, from God's truth. The first one is this, our sin disconnects us from truth. Oftentimes, it's, it's, not that, it's not that we don't know that we're sinning, it's just that we don't want to deal with it. We like our sin. And so sin disconnects us from the truth. It does it in a very real way to begin with. The, the sin of, of the, the inherited sin, the sin that you inherited from, from your parents, from, from the human race. From your father, from your grandfather, from, from your great-grandfather, going all the way back to, to Adam and Eve. Sin has been passed down through the human race, through the generations, and, and the sin of the, of the human race separates us from a holy God. God is holy, and we are not. I had four children, wonderful daughters. I love my daughters, but I didn't have to teach them how to sin. If any of you have had kids, you know that you didn't have to teach your kids how to lie. You didn't have to teach your kids to be selfish. That comes natural. They'll grab a toy and say, mine, right? It's theirs. You don't have to teach sin. Sin comes natural to us as humans. And that sin separates us from God. 
And when we become separated from God, we become separated from his truth. But you don't have to talk about inherited sin. Every single one of us knows our own hearts. And we know that there is sin in our own hearts. You know, sometimes, even after we've confessed Christ, we've put our faith in him, we, we've asked for his forgiveness, we've asked for the cleansing you know, of, of his blood from the sacrifice he made on the cross. After all of that, as a Christian, we're bebopping along, and, and God's spirit begins to speak to us and say, man, what you're doing, that's sin. And we have one of two ways we can handle that. We can accept the truth of what God's word says, or we can argue against it. Some of us try to rationalize our sin. Well, my sin's not as bad as their sin. Some of us try to say, well, that's not really sin, God. Yeah, God, that was sin back in the old days, but that's not sin in our day. And sometimes we just want to, we don't want even to deal with God on it. We'll hear the Spirit begin to speak to our heart and tell us to quit doing what we're doing, and we just ignore it. We quit listening to God. We walk away from God. And once again, sin will separate us from God's truth because we come, become separated from God himself. Yeah, and it may be as simple as the Lord begins to convict my heart and say, now, Dennis, you need to forgive that person. Well, I don't want to forgive that person. I, I'm, I want that person to suffer a little bit longer for what they did. I want to be able to imagine some of the bad things that could happen to them for the way they treated me or the way they treated one of my kids or my grandkids, right? We have a hard time forgiving, but when we refuse to forgive, it begins to separate us from God. And when we become separated from God, we become separated from the truth, and we begin to live in darkness. We begin to live outside of God's truth we won't know the truth. We won't be set free when we choose to continue to hang on to and hold on to our sin. Our sin will separate us from God's truth. Second thing that you see here, and I've kind of touched on this in that illustration, was that our nature disconnects us from the truth. Just the very fact that we are from this world, he's from that world. Remember Jesus said this in the, in, in, in the earlier part of chapter 8. He said, look, I'm not of this world, you're from this world. I, I am, you're from below, I'm from above. And so our nature, the very fact that we were born in flesh and that we live in a world where, where we are so connected with what we see and what we hear and what we taste and what we smell, what we touch, our five senses are, are where we tend to define what truth is because of our nature. And, and, and certainly, here's a great word for you, well, that's natural. <laughs> that's what comes natural to us. And so things that cause us to fear, we fear. And yet, we have learned, most of you, over time, that you can't always believe what you see, what you hear, what you smell, what you taste, or what you touch. It didn't take me long as a kid. I, I would take a a stick, and I would stick it down into the water, and I would look at that stick, and it looked broken. Pull the stick back out, and it's not broken. Put it back in the water, it looks broken. My eyes were deceiving me. Now, there's a physical reason for that. If you take physics and understand refraction and reflection, you'll understand why you see something, but you see something that's not real. Oftentimes, our emotions will betray us before any of our five physical senses. We feel like 
And any time that you allow your life to be driven by what you feel, you'll get yourself in trouble. You'll hear this said in our culture all the time, well, just follow your heart. Just go where your heart leads you. You know what the problem with that is? God's word says that our hearts will deceive us. Our hearts can be evil. And if you follow your heart instead of God's word, it'll lead you away from God. Our nature can separate us from the truth. And then third, and you see Jesus talking about that with these Jews here. Uh, he says, y'all are, y'all are speaking from one nature, I'm speaking from another. And then third, our unbelief disconnects us from the truth. You know, the bottom line is, Jesus, who is a, the, the, the greatest mind, the greatest order, uh, orator, he, he could use the very best rhetoric. He, he could uh, make the best arguments for them to believe. Not only that, but Jesus had all of the tools. Jesus could raise people from the dead. In the next chapter, he's going to heal somebody who'd been blind all of their lives. They've already seen Jesus heal someone who picked up their mat and headed to worship, who had been laying there for 38 years, lame. Jesus had all of these great tools. He had all of the words, and they still chose not to believe. Ultimately, there's going to come a time in your life where you're going to have to make a decision to take a step of faith and believe that God's word is true. And if you refuse to take that step of faith, you'll never accept Jesus for who he says he is. And some, some of us will say, well, I'm, I, I'm a person of reason. I'm a person of logic. I'm a, I'm a rational person. So if I don't understand it, I just can't believe it. I can't accept it. That's a bunch of hogwash. You know that every single person in here at some point this week, at some point today probably, you got here on faith. You, you arrived to this location by taking at least one step of faith. Unless, I'll go ahead and ask the question, is there anybody in here who has fully studied and understands all the complexities of the electronic braking system on your vehicle? Anybody? I had one in the first service. I've studied that, and I said, okay, you ready to explain to me how the electrons travel down the outside of the copper wire and and make that first initial impulse that's going to, well, no, I hadn't studied it that deep. None of us have. You know, even an engineer will recognize that there's, there's, I've studied this part, and the engineer who put together the, this part of the electric braking system may not fully understand the hydraulic part of the, that braking system or the friction of that braking system. Maybe there's some really smart, but even if he understands all that, the chances in the complexity of our automobiles of him understanding all of the various systems of our automobiles is pretty slim. And yet, that doesn't prevent me from getting in my pickup on Friday and driving 75 miles an hour, driving the speed limit down to Austin or Cedar Park, Texas to go do some work on my mom's property. Even though I don't fully understand how that electric braking system works, I put my faith in it. I believe that I could get up to speed and at some point I would take my foot off of the right pedal and put it over on that left pedal from the accelerator to the brake and as I applied pressure, at some point my truck would come to a stop. I believed it even though I did not fully understand it. That's just one small 
item. We'll take chemicals and put them in our mouths that the doctor prescribed because we have put our faith in the doctor. And we'll, we've put our faith in that company that put those pills in that bottle. And you can go on and on and on. Every day, you and I make decisions that impact our us, life and death decisions that impact us. We make those decisions based on faith. And we do it easily. Sometimes without a lot of thought. And yet when it comes to trusting God for who he says he is and believing that God's word is true, we will follow it as far as we can right up to reason. And then when we have to take that step of faith, we'll refuse to take that step. The bottom line is, as Jesus said last week, and we'll see it, we see it expressed here. Last week he said, unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Our unbelief ultimately is the greatest separator from truth. If we refuse to believe that Jesus is who he says he is, we will forever, forever, for all of eternity, be separated from the truth. Now, Jesus is going to take this idea of truth a little bit further in the coming chapters. He's going to come to a place where he says, I am the truth. Not just my word is truth, but I embody truth. I am the truth. And so you will be separated from Jesus. You'll be separated from God. You'll be separated from his truth if you refuse to take that step of faith and belief. That's hard. You're, you're having to come to a point where you say, I don't fully understand but I'm going to trust anyway. I'm going to put my life, I'm going to seek to follow God's word and God's will. I'm going to put my life, my eternity in his hands. What's your option of taking that step of faith? What are you going to put your faith for eternity in? If there is a life after death, what is it that you're going to choose to put your faith in if it is not Christ? When you get down to the last third of this text, beginning in verse 48, uh, they begin to really get at each other at this point because the Jews look to Jesus and say, you got a demon. Not only, you're a Samaritan and you have a demon. A Samaritan was the worst race that they could think of. They hated the Samaritans because they saw them as somebody who, had, who was a mixed breed, who had, who had failed God. They once were, were of the same race and then they had allowed themselves to intermarry. And so, you, are, are we not right in saying that you're a Samaritan and have a demon? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? When you're losing an argument, you just call the other person evil. That's what we're doing in social media all the time right now. If, 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 if you can't understand it and you're, behind, you're losing the argument, what you, what you do at that point is you just start shouting how horrible they are. You're the devil, they tell Jesus. You've got to have a demon. Why? Why are they saying that he has a demon? Because they don't want to accept the truth. The bottom line here is that they cry out, Jesus, you're evil simply because that's their defense mechanism at this point. They can't argue with him. Jesus has said, if you see any sin in my life, anything inconsistent with what I have told you, tell me, show it to me, but you can't. And you know what else is gonna happen? He's already told them. 
God is going to glorify me. As he said last week, where's going to come a day when I am lifted up? And when I am lifted up, you will know that I am who I say I am. You'll know that I'm the son of God. And so all that they can do at this point is shout, you have a demon. You're horrible. Josh McDowell, years ago in his uh, book, In Defense of the Faith, had a chapter uh, in that book where he, he, he said that because of what Jesus has said, you cannot make the claim that Jesus is a good teacher or that Jesus was a good person. He said if you, if you read Scripture and you see the claims of Christ, you have, to, you have to come to one of three conclusions. Jesus is either who he says he is, he's the Lord, he's a liar, or he's crazy, he's a lunatic. Now in this text, this last third of John chapter eight from verse 48 down, or the last sixth of it here, you have to, you look at this and, and, and the Jews are gonna, uh, gonna argue that he's got a demon. So you're either gonna have to accept that Jesus is demonic, <laughs> which could go along with being a lunatic. Jesus is demonic or Jesus is a deceiver. He's the liar, they're not. That's what they're claiming. Or he is who he says he is. He is a deity. He is God. He is the Lord. And Jesus doesn't leave them any out whatsoever. He has spoken the truth to them. He's told them, if you will believe in me, you'll have eternal life. If you'll believe in me, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you'll simply believe in me, you can be set free, not just in this life, from sin and the bonds of this world, but you'll be set free for eternity. I'll give you eternal life if you'll believe that I am who I say I am and put your faith in me. So they get into this argument with him, and of course, Jesus says, look, you claim that Abraham's your father. Here's the bottom line. What they don't see is that Abraham walked by faith. Abraham was counted righteous because of his faith, because he took a step of belief. And so they come to this point, and he said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And they're going, wait a minute. You're not even 50 years old. How could you know Abraham? And this is where he drives that stake in the ground. He's already told them twice who he was. We looked at that last week, verse 24 and verse 28. He used the Greek phrase, ego I me, without a predicate, I am. Identifying himself with the God of the burning bush. I am the great I am. He's already done that twice. They still didn't get it. So they're still asking him, even in this, this passage, well, who do you claim to be? Down in verse 53, who do you claim to be? He's already told them. They've already asked him that question. He's answered it. They didn't like it. And sometimes when we don't like the truth, we just tune it out, don't we? We don't like that God tells us what we're doing sin. We just don't listen anymore. We don't like what that preacher has to say because we believe he's, pre he's preaching the truth. We don't like that truth, so we'll go find another church. Jesus says, truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. No question whatsoever in my mind or in the mind of the Jews at that moment that he was claiming to be God. Jesus is God. Jesus is the great I am. So either he's lying, he's crazy, or he is who he says he is. He's God. If you're willing to take that step of faith and be his disciple, he tells us that you'll be set free from your sin. It is only through him. 
It is only through his word that we'll find that kind of freedom in this life. And it's certainly only through Christ that we'll have eternal life. Once again, Jesus made it clear, if you do not believe that I am, you will die tied to your sin. You'll die in your sin. Hey folks, this is Pastor Dennis Hester, and I want to thank you for joining First Baptist Watauga through our podcast and hearing the message today. My prayer is that you were encouraged and uplifted by the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Our goal here is to equip you in your faith and to encourage you as you worship the Lord and seek to serve Him. If you have a question or you have a decision that you'd like to make, I'd encourage you to reach out to us through our website at fbcwatauga.org or simply call the church office. You can find that number or our email addresses there on that website as well. And by doing that, uh, we'd be glad to hear from you and we'd be encouraged about hearing what God's doing in your life. So God bless you and have a great day.